Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you want to hear more shows on a weekly basis on Thursdays, we release bonus episodes to members only on the website and the Castos app. If that interests you with the ad-free listening of a Tuesday show and the overtime segments, you're going to want to check out theconfessionalspodcast.com slash join or conveniently just hit the join button in the top right-hand corner and it'll let you sign up to become that member. And last but not least, we have preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. Listen, I don't got to explain it to you. The world's crazy. There's a lot of crazy things happening and we need to make sure we're good to go to take care of our family when it comes to our nutritional needs. And that's where preparewiththeconfessionals.com comes in handy because we offer emergency preparedness food that will last up to 25 years on the shelf. And right now you can get a three-month supply of food for $183 off. That's $183 off a three-month supply of food. Listen, friends, I've been talking about it for a long time. I'm going to continue to talk about it. It's very important to me that people prepare and see the world the way I see it. Anyways, friends, if you're interested in that, go ahead and check it out. Preparewiththeconfessionals.com. Now, we got a great show coming up here today. We have the legendary Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero on today's program. Clyde is one of those people in this world, one of the very few people in this world that has truly shaped my mind and helped me learn how to think about things in a very different way. 
I owe a lot to Clyde Lewis. And quite frankly, the audience does as well. Because if you tune in on a weekly basis, there's a reason for that. And it's because Clyde Lewis was one of those people that really helped mold my mind and helped me become who I am today. So for me, this is a very big deal. For any of you who do not know who Clyde Lewis is, I highly encourage you guys to check it out. His radio program is on nightly every week, and he goes in hard on a lot of different topics from paranormal to conspiratorial to current events to culture. He really is somebody who really thinks outside the box consistently. And if you start tuning in to Clyde Lewis on a regular basis, you too will start thinking outside the box. You too will start seeing the world very, very differently. So with that said, I want to get to Clyde Lewis in this fantastic interview. We talked about a lot of different things and we went down a rabbit trail towards the end with Skinwalker Ranch that I didn't expect and neither did he. And I'm really glad we did. Before we get to this interview, though, I want to play you guys a soundbite. It's about a five-minute soundbite of a caller that called into Clyde's show years ago. I was driving my tractor trailer one day down the highway, listening to Clyde Lewis, and all of a sudden, a caller calls in mentioning this show. I almost drove off the road. So I'm going to play you that clip of the caller calling in, bringing up our show, and I believe it was episode 91 with Tony Rodriguez. And then we're going to get to the interview with Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero. Triple eight six seven three thirty seven hundred. That's 888-673-3700. Let's go to Rich in West Virginia. You're on Ground Zero. Hey, Clyde. How you doing, man? I uh, I love your show, man. Thank I've been you. Been for a long time. Thank you. You keep me up at night during the truck driving hours, you know? You bet. Thank but, you. Uh, I uh, stumbled across this uh, podcast on uh, Stitcher the other day, the uh, Confessionals, mm-hmm. and there was a uh, episode, episode 91, The Alien Abducted Time Traveler. And this gentleman, Tony Rodriguez, he claims to be abducted uh, as a boy, 10-year-old boy, and it kind of related to Captain K's experience mm-hmm. and, and the other experience uh, that we've heard. They were very similar. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, maybe you check it out. Um, there are other stories, too. I, there's Corey Good and there's Andrew Basaggio. They were uh, also allegedly part of some Mars plan or some time jump plan where they were taken to Mars and they were there uh, working on projects there. Yes, and this kid, supposedly he did a 20-year uh, service. It was a 20-year service. Supposedly, though, in real time, it only happened in one night. I, I, you have to listen to it. You have to check it out. But um, he also said that he worked with Marines on Mars. That's where he ended up at towards the end of his service. I think he did like eight years or something on there. Yeah, so I mean, I mean I've heard... That- I've heard of military installments on Mars, mining colonies on Mars. I just told you about the bill that was passed during the Obama administration about Martian colony mining rights and things of that nature. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to actually pass a bill into law 30 years before it's supposed to be effective. And so that well, means it makes sense you, if you have a time machine. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, if you if you have a time machine, it makes all the sense of the world if you have a time machine for sure. Uh, yes, yes, it does. And it, and it just adds to our it adds to our discussion about quantum entanglements and what that entails. So, yes, I mean, I I don't know anymore. I 
I I read this stuff and I say to myself, you know, the most outrageous things could be happening right now and we wouldn't even know it because they have done such a great job of making it sound so outrageous and crazy. But it's not really all that crazy when you consider all of the focus we've had on Mars and in what's been said, uh, God, forever. I mean, I, I can go back thousands of years. I can go back hundreds of years. I can go back just 60 years. I mean, it's, it's like uh, it, the buildup is there. Something I'm sure is about to give about Mars. I mean, we've, we've gone there before. We'll go there again. And it'll always be there, always. Yeah, and all these experiences that people have, they, they all coexist, kind of. They, I mean, they all have the same kind of, it's almost like the same kind of plot line, or I, I don't know. It, it, I think, I think it's, it, a, I it, think it's uh, not only quantum entanglement, but it's, it's also cognitive entanglement, because uh, culturally, oh, well, what's that? What are you saying? One of the things that he said that uh, when he got abducted, see, he, he was messing around with some Illuminati's, kid uh, i guess the father mm-hmm. came to school something like that and the boy was saying i can read minds i can read minds this and that and and anyways he made fun of him in his head and the kid heard him or whatever he, he read his mind and it pissed him off well i guess he got abducted by aliens well they asked him can we hijack your consciousness for 20 years wow and he agreed to it and it's a fascinating thing. It's an hour and or it's a uh, 136 minutes long. It's on Stitcher. Right. Um, I can send you. Yeah, uh, I tried to send you the link. Yeah, Ground Zero PDX at Yahoo. It's funny you bring that up because there's been a lot of talk. And I and I uh, when I was at the DB Cooper gathering just the other day, we're talking about what is known as uh, the uh, hijacking or at least the weaponizing of consciousness. And yeah. I, I have a feeling that with all of this discovery and what we're investigating now. We can say this, whatever your conscious mind has not picked up on, your unconscious mind has. And so uh, even if our conscious selves don't understand this, unconsciously, somehow it speaks to us. And this is why the quantum entanglement is so important to point out, because unconsciously, I think we believe deeply that we come from somewhere else. We're not necessarily of this planet, and perhaps we're from the planet Mars, and that has been uh, the signal, or at least the message, that has been sent to us for eons. So, I mean... It's like, uh, it's like you said, it's like it's seated in our memory. Yeah, somehow, deep-seated. Deep-seated in our memory, and, and culturally, we're conditioned to assume that this is where we are, and this is where we've been, and uh, and I don't know. It's It's just, like I say, the rabbit hole goes deeper and deeper and deeper as to our origins, and they may have come from Mars. The signal... The signal is from the past, and we must go to it and answer the call to figure out just what is going on beneath the terrain of Mars. 888-673-3700. That's 888-673-3700. All right, today we got the Clyde Lewis on the show. Clyde, how you doing, man? Hey, we're doing all right. How are you? Uh, doing good, man. So uh, before we get into everything today, I just kind of, I got to talk to you a little bit here on more of a, I guess, personal note for me. All right. So, cause I, I've been podcasting for five years. You've been in the broadcasting industry, I think for you know, what you're coming up on 20 or 30, almost 30 years. I know it's more than 25, right? Right. It's uh, well, ground zero, I think was 27 years. I started radio when I was 14. So yeah, I'm, I'm pushing it well beyond 30 right now. So yeah. Yeah. So so you're 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 the OG in the industry, and uh, <laughs> you know, 
like podcasting is is like a new medium and I get a lot of people coming to me asking me for advice as far as like how to go about building shows and stuff. And one of the things I always tell people is that when they go on somebody else's show, they got to bring their A game. They got to, they got to, you know, they just can't think they're going to show up on somebody else's show and their audience is just going to automatically want to listen to their show. And, uh, right. and, and the, that, that idea of bringing the A game, I haven't felt like that for my show before until today. Like literally today, I feel like having you on my show, I'm, I'm going on somebody else's show. I'm like, okay, I got to bring my A game. Like, you know, like right. this is my show. So, okay. So I guess your A game and my B plus game, I guess can make an A out of that average. There you that go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it is a Saturday, by the way. Should I say that? I don't know. It is a day where I'm, you know, like I said, I'm dealing with smoky skies and bloodshot eyes today. So a new thing for me. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And I, I just, I'm sitting over here thinking, man, the pressure's on me and this is my show. Holy cow. So, uh, but I, I just want to kind of give you some uh, props here real quick because uh, when, uh, so I was driving truck. Uh, I, I was a truck driver. I was a son of, I'm a son of a truck driver. And I started podcasting back in 2017. And early on in my podcasting, uh, I had, I think it was my dad or either, either my dad or a friend of mine had told me to start listening to your show. And at the time it was on, uh, it was on Apple and we were, I was listening to it every day and listening to your show every day. And I've, I've told my audience this, um, but it, it, you really, in an indirect way, like you don't know me, but in an indirect way, you, you kind of taught me how to think different. And um, just hearing your perspectives on world events to the paranormal and everything in between has really, uh, over the years, kind of shaped my mind on how to kind of view things outside the box and kind of try to remain outside the box with the way I think. And it kind of, a lot of it comes from you, man. I just wanted to tell you because the audience has heard me talk about you over the years and stuff. And when I'm listening to your show, something comes, I'm like, I was listening to Clyde today. And uh, <laughs> I just, I just got to tell you in front of everybody, thank you very much for what you do, because I, I really believe that if it wasn't for your show, uh, I, I don't think my show would be what it is today. So I just wanted to give you thank you very much out front. Uh, and, you know, just say thank you very much. It's always good to hear that because uh, I was just saying I had a uh, get together with my uh, audience over the aftermath uh, chat. And I was discussing the worry I have uh, about how I want more young people to be telling these stories and I want them to be telling them clearly and uh, definitely thinking outside the box because uh, all too easily we see a number of people in what we call the community that uh, they're lazy. I, I get a lot of uh, people that, you know, I, I approach them and I say, have you heard about this? No, I haven't heard about this. It's something new for me. And it's all because, you know, they they put themselves in a place of authority for so long that they really don't take the time to look beyond what they've talked about, to look beyond. I mean, everything that is happening right now moves and you just can't sit on your laurels and expect to be relevant when, you know, still talking about the, what the cover up of uh, the government and UFOs, when the government is actually saying now that there are UFOs or they are, they're saying now that there are different nomenclatures for these things, that they are seriously looking into these things. Uh, and you can always tell the people that, you know, they get a, a tidbit of information and they run with it because it becomes their hobby. And it, it, it's always been hard for me because I've been at this, like you said, I've been at this for a while and, you know, cutting my teeth on greats like Long John Nebel and Art Bell and a few others that have been, you know, influences and if not competition at some point, 
you know, just working with them and seeing how they operate and how they think, I wanted to be different. I wanted to, I wanted to have a different view on things. And that's why sometimes people say, well, you know, he says this, but, you know, someone else says something else. And I like that. I like the fact that I, I say things differently because in the end, you're hearing about a lot of talk show hosts that, that talk in the same, I guess you could say the same realms I do. And they're getting bombarded with, you know, being told they're lying to the public and being told that they're spinning all kinds of conspiracy theories without merit. I tell people, you know, these people worry about me. And I say, look, I have nothing to worry about because usually when I talk about things, I'm talking about things that are unheard of, that haven't been discovered yet. And I discover these things when they're true and they're and they're interesting. Uh, people say, well, I haven't heard it on the mainstream. Well, you're not going to. You're not going to hear it on the mainstream. And the reason why you're not going to hear it on the mainstream is because they don't see it as anything that people has a, have a right to know. I was taught in journalism school. If the people have a right to know, you tell them. And you have to be very careful after that, too, because you don't know what the reaction is going to be. And many times I talk about things on my show not even thinking about the reaction. And, you know, and, and so when I hear, you know, about you and, and about how you've reacted and how you've, you know, made a podcast, you've become uh, really constructive with what you've done. It makes me feel good because then it makes me realize that, you know, if I do decide I'm just going to leap from this planet and go away, there are plenty of other people that are going to be spreading the stories and have been inspired over time. That's awesome. Well, don't you dare do that. I swear, don't you dare do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I I look forward to listening to uh, your shows and stuff, uh, especially like when I get outside doing the yard work and stuff. It's like hours of work to do and I just turn on uh, the Aftermath app and just kind of go to town for hours all day. And so... Uh, yeah. I, I love it. And uh, we love you over here, man. Uh, speaking of what you do and kind of the, um, the, the almost predictive, the, the predict predictable nature of what you do. All right. And I, I don't know, cause I don't listen, I don't watch mainstream media a whole lot. And right. I, I just, uh, I kind of, I just listen to people like you. And so uh, I think it was last week and I just, what you just said kind of hit my head here a little bit. Uh, I think it was last week you were talking about uh, when the queen dies and Charles taking over and how he's going to change his name and, you know, the defender of faith instead of a defender of the faith. Um, I wanted to ask you, was, did, was there something going on that we kind of knew the queen was going to die soon? Or was that just straight up prediction that came true a week later? That was prediction that came true a week later. Ah, like that's crazy. <laughs> Here's the thing. I got to tell you, I, I always have considered myself an accidental prophet, but I don't call myself that because, you know, the minute you start calling yourself a prophet, you sound like a cult leader. Um, but no, a lot of the times, and that's why I always say timing is everything because a lot of the times when we do things and we do shows and then something happens, I go, timing's everything. Uh, and it's just something I've said, uh, for the longest time, because, if you time it right and you, you you figure out you feel the time is right you start you, you start getting the hang of when things are going to happen uh it was advantageous though at the time to say we're going to talk about how the kingdom is because i remember i was telling ron because i said you know year zero 2022 i always call it year zero i go the year of the antichrist and uh and i've always you know at rolling stone uh, back a long time ago, I think it was in September of 2011, cornered me and asked me what I thought about, you know, because I had made mention on a TV show or something that I felt that Prince William was the Antichrist. 
and uh, they tried to get me to uh, say it. And they, and they actually, I had them believing it for a while, uh, believe it or not. Uh, and, and so they didn't give me a very bad rating. They put me up against David Icke and they said, you know, Clyde's believable. David Icke and reptilians are not. And I thought, well, that's kind of nice. But uh, <laughs> I had been talking about this for a long time. Uh, Tracy Twyman, who I worked with also, we wrote a, a little bit of a book about it that in 2012, we would see, you know, more and more indications that William would be the Antichrist. And then I talked with Tim Cohen, who wrote The Antichrist in a Cup of Tea, and he was telling me that he thought it was Prince Charles. We've argued about it. Chris Everard, uh, also uh, a uh, British uh, com- uh, commenter, does a lot of great stuff on the Enigma channel. He agrees with me that it's William as well. Um a lot of people, you know, have come after me and said, how do you, how can you say this? It needs to be a Muslim or a Jew or something. And I said, I don't let politics get in the way of this. When you're a, when you're a, a royal and you say, my bloodline goes all the way back to Jesus Christ, so therefore I'm divine, and people bow down and worship me as if I were God, that says a lot about just what they are. Uh, when you believe that uh, Jesus Christ uh, walked off the cross, sired children with Mary Magdalene, and those children became our royal, uh, you know, our royal, uh, you know, uh, kings and queens. Now, when they start saying that stuff, you say, "Well, what's the point of the atonement uh, if he didn't die for our sins?" And and that makes it antichrist. So there's a lot of different ways that I play this. But I said to Ron uh, all through the year. In fact, I was kind of doing a few things to kind of hint at it because I was talking about a lot of apocalyptic stuff this year. And I said to him, "I said we need to do an antichrist show." And I said, "But I got to wait. Probably do it around the time of Princess Diana's death." And so it turned out to be, instead of talking about Princess Diana and going over the minutiae with regard to how she died and what happened, it turned into a show where I was talking about the Queen dying and Prince Charles, you know, taking the throne and how he could change his name to Prince George or Prince or, or uh, King George or King Arthur. And he still can. I mean, they officially have called him, you know, King George III, but he's also said that he could take, uh, it's called a regnal name or a, a a regnal name is a name that they use uh as as king so he could call himself king arthur or king george if he wishes to after the coronation it just depends on what they call him the coronation i would hope that he changes his name because king george is not a very good name to have because king george the first was beheaded king george the second was uh, a guy who cheated a lot on his wives sired a lot of children with his mistress he was the king during a major plague and uh, there are a number of other things that he did that weren't that savory. So to have a King George III and a namesake that uh, is dealing with a very, very bad king, I wouldn't want that name. Uh, he has said for the longest time that he wants to call himself King Arthur, and that would be definitely a signal of being the once and future king or the resuscitator Orbis, which would be the, the resurrected king of the world, uh, which is, in fact, they were saying that him being king is called Project Orb. So it just, it all comes together uh, with what I know about esoteric history. Uh, I look at history as an oracle. I look at human behavior as an oracle. So that's why I, I get, I, I'm pretty accurate. I would say maybe 60, 70% of the time. Uh, we had a show, maybe you remember it, where we had a Ouija board session with a character named Dr. Heldor, uh, who basically said, watch your P's and Q's this year and he was referring to the popes the presidents and the queen and uh he was actually talking about and another that's a paranormal thing on the air a lot of people have talked about this that now the queen has died all they talk about is dr heldor dr heldor said this and who's next the president the the pope i would say the pope is next 
uh, on the list. And then eventually President Biden is going to be the next. Uh, this is how it's going to happen. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen within the year. It very well could. But that's what Dr. Heldor said. He said within the year. And he did his predictions on November 1st, which was Day of the Dead. So we're coming up on that year. Uh, and, and so we have to see the remainder of his predictions come true between now and Octo- uh, October 31st. Wow. Yes. Uh, well, it's funny because uh, I just heard recently, I forget where, but I guess the the Pope had been considering stepping down or something like that. Yeah. And uh, well, we, we know about Biden as far as like the health concerns go. Uh, it, it just, uh, it, it seems like that is something that does, co- it seems to be coming true here. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you, I remember driving around in the truck, listening to you and thinking, I don't know how that is going to come together, but it seems like it's very plausible. And now I'm looking back yeah. years later, I'm thinking, well, it was right. <laughs> you know, so well, see, that's the scary part. That's the scary part about the show. It's something that's been in my life forever. And I think it, it enhanced after I had cancer was I just had this uh, intuition, if you will. And I look at it in a historic way. Something prompts me. And I don't know what it is or who it is, but it prompts me and I and I fall upon something and I study about it and something inside me says I should cover this because it's going to be important for the listeners uh, later on. Um, I, I choose my sponsors that way, too. Like, for example, right now I'm working with uh, Alan Johnson, at United Gold Group. And the reason why was because, you know, I was thinking I wanted to help my listeners invest in gold and silver and invest in all this and i don't normally talk about investing iras and stuff i don't care um i don't think it i don't think it matters but the listeners i think need to hear that when you have somebody like uh jerome powell who is the economist saying there will be real pain and when uh you know they order eighty thousand irs agents to be armed and ready to go for the next year you have to understand that there's a reason for this you may not know the reason now but everything that i say is and I and I say this to people. I'm a weatherman. I predict the weather. I wanted to be a weatherman when I was a kid, but I I just didn't go through it. I became a talk show host instead. And so I'm still a weatherman. I still predict the weather. Um, and that's what I call myself. I call myself a weatherman who predicts the weather. I see the storm clouds. They come. I see the lightning and the thunder. And then when the storm hits, then people say, "Oh, direct hit." Sometimes storms don't hit, or sometimes they take a while before they hit. I don't know what the statute of limitations is on on prophecy, but uh, a lot of the time, most of the stuff that I talk about, whether it be a year or because I remember I was talking about Clade X, yes, uh, two years prior to uh, COVID, and what I said was, is they're they're basically taking a clade, which is an unknown virus, and they're mixing it with another virus only to release and gain a function exercise. I did a seminar, or actually I did a speaking engagement in California. I had microbiologists there and a few other people, and it was at an alien conference. And I was basically saying some sort of an alien virus is going to be released to the people, and we're going to end up having a pandemic. And these micro uh, uh, micro uh, scientists, these microorganist scientists were saying, we believe you about the pandemic. We just don't believe it's going to be an alien virus. Then I said, well, something's going to happen. And then when COVID-19 happened, I could say, well, you know, I kind of talked about Claydex. I kind of hinted at the idea that this was all going to go down. And when it did go down, it scared me. I was terrified. I couldn't believe uh, that, you know, I was doing seminars about this stuff two years before it happened. And it's because I just, like I say, I get these inclinations. Something tells me that this would be the topic for the future. And I ride with it. That's incredible. So uh, on that note, uh, (laughs) 
and I've kind of dealt with this on, on a much smaller level, of course, but uh, you come out and you say things that in the moment seem off the wall. In the moment, it's like, how, what is he talking? Like, literally, how is that possible? And you you go into that day of recording in the studio and you're like, what I'm about to say, I know is going to get Ron a ton, a ton of emails. I know is going to get the crazy stuff hap- uh, in the comment section on the Facebook group or uh, all that kind of stuff. Like, it, yeah. like, how do you rationalize things in your mind going into getting ready to drop a bomb like that? Because uh, if for me, um, if, with what I've dealt with and stuff, I, I pretty much divorce myself from the comment section. I don't read comment sections. I don't like my wife is the first one to receive my emails to get all the bad ones out. So because it messes with my head. I don't know how you do it. It it basically, okay, I look at things and I have to make a judgment call on if I have a prediction that I'm going to make a judgment call and say, how am I going to make this prediction happen? Or how am I going to uh, announce it and and not either look like a fool or uh, scare people to death. And I, and I take into consideration what it might mean in the overall picture. And either A, I spread it out in different shows, or I just drop the bomb. And, and a lot of people say to me, they say, well, when I listen to your shows on Aftermath, they all seem to come together. Now, why is that? It's because I have a message that I want to tell people. And if I feel that the message is too hard to handle all at once, I spread it out over like three or four shows. And so you see the, you hear the buildup. If you, if you listen to my shows in sequence, you start hearing the buildup and then you find that the, the event happens. And then I have to do the quote aftermath of that event. So it's like right now, one of the biggest, pardon the phrase bombshells is I've been talking about a retro causal event that is happening that we're preparing for. I believe it's going to be what's known as a limited nuclear exchange in Europe. I, I, I get the feeling that this is going to happen. The only problem is, is I got to find a way to spread it out. And I have spread it out successfully talking about, you know, nuclear power plants and nuclear this and nuclear this. And eventually people are going to go back and they say, didn't Clyde talk about this on a show earlier? Yes, I did. Why? Because something told me that there was going to be this happening and I have to spread it out so people don't look at it as being some, you know, hyperbolic alarmist thing. And so it's a, it's, it's a matter of spreading it out sometimes, or it's a matter of, I'm sorry, I have to tell you this, but bam, drop the bomb there and, and, and take the heat for it. And I do take the heat for it a lot. I get yelled at or I get death threats or I get whatever. And you're right. But see, I, I, I've learned over time that you can spread it out until the event happens and people can look back and they can see that that information was building to that major point. Yeah. You know, I, 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 uh, I don't know if I were you, sometimes I'd be thinking, do I really even want to go down this road? Do I just want to <laughs> let them figure it out themselves? Like, <laughs> uh, it, it You're just, right. and you know, no, seriously, I was at that point before Roe v. Wade was turned over. Cause I got this feeling. And one of the things I don't talk about on my show is abortion. And the reason why is because it's a circular argument. Every time you talk about abortion, it's a circular argument. I have this law. Don't talk about abortion. Well, guess what I did? I broke my cardinal law. And all my friends are saying, why are you doing this? I said, because it has to be done. So I started talking about abortion. And wouldn't you know it, Roe v. Wade gets overturned. And and so, you know, you have to weigh, I guess, the consequences of what you're about to tell people. 
And if it's going to be a harsh blow, it's going to be considered crazy. And you can see how crazy you sound when you talk about it. You have to spread it over a number of shows and you have to bury it in, you, you bury the lead. Okay. That's all I say is you, you have to bury the lead. And I don't think anybody's going to fault you for burying the lead if they can go back and they can hear that you were inching your way into that. And, and, and like, you know, if you've been listening to my shows for any long period of time, you know, that's the truth. You can say, yeah, Clyde's been hinting at this now. I, that explains why he's been talking about these crazy things, hinting about them for a while, because this is where it's, this is where it's headed. Yep. It's, it, it is where it's headed. And, and on that, I'm, I'm about to, I think, transition here. But I, on that note, I encourage people to be plugging into your stuff because it, there's like, um, if I were you, I would be hate. I would hate the 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 comparisons to Alex Jones because I've heard it on your show sometimes when callers call in and stuff. Uh, and and I've heard you on Alex's show and stuff when he has you on a guest, and I think you've had him yeah. on your show. But yeah, what you guys do, it's just it's complete. Like you, it's like oil and vinegar. You guys are totally different. And um, he acknowledges that, and I acknowledge that with him. But the problem is, is sometimes the listeners don't, and 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 it really. Uh, uh, and it's not that I don't like being compared to Alex Jones. It's just that I wish people could tell the difference. That's the that's the problem I have. Is that yeah. uh, if you can't tell the difference, you're really not listening to the shows because Alex uh, is political. He's an activist. I'm not. I'm not political, nor am I an activist. Um, I do, though, talk about things that I call parapolitical, meaning that it's parapolitical in a standpoint that there's a supernatural element to what's going on in politics. And it's also a poneristic uh, type of uh, attitude with politics. That means the evil and the supernatural aspects of politics and how, you know, things tend to look or seem like they are. And I have to describe them to people like when uh, Biden did his speech in, in Philadelphia and he's standing there looking like Hitler with a red background behind him, looked like something out of a Marilyn Manson concert. I'm looking at that and I'm saying to myself, you know, people need to see that. They need to know that that was going on. And of course, people who are like partial to Biden, like, going, oh, come on, come on. I'm going, guys, look, if you can't see it for what it is, then obviously you are so much in your echo chamber that you can't deal with it. I made the same comment when uh, when uh, Trump was one of, one of his conferences kissing the American flag. And I'm going, God, how gratuitous is that? It, it was comical. It was so gratuitous. So, I mean, stuff like that, you know, bothers me, irritates me. Um, we had uh, our governor today. Uh, tell us that we needed to fly the flags at half staff because of the queen dying. <laughs> and I'm like, going, are you kidding me? Why, why should we lower our flags for someone who we're not supposed to pay any honorariums to uh, any other kingdom or presidency. And yet we're being told we have to do this. This is something that has always been, we're sovereign. We no longer participate in the monarchy, but apparently people love their monarchies. They love their, they're Camelots. They love their Kennedys and Obamas. That's that's the thing that they they fall in love with the substance, thinking that they're going to be a part of it. When in reality, they're completely shut down and, and told to stay out of it. Oh uh, yeah, I listen. The whole reason why we're here on this side of the pond is because we rejected them. So like, I'm I'm not too uh, I'm not too uh, you know ready to put our flags down at half mass here.
All right, this episode is brought to you by Cerebral. Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Listen, Cerebral will actually offer you a service that most places will not offer you, which means your prescription medication will be delivered to you right to your doorstep. You order it online and it comes right to your door. You don't have to worry about standing in the pharmacy line no more. All you got to do is go on the Cerebral app on your phone or your laptop and schedule everything out and it'll be delivered right to your doorstep. And speaking of the app on your laptop, you can also schedule a counselor and therapist right there on your mobile device or your laptop and have a consultation on your convenience right there from the comfort of your own home, your car, your office, wherever you need to feel comfortable to talk to a counselor or therapist. It's there now for you on convenience. This is a service that didn't exist 10 years ago. This is a new form of counseling and therapy, and it's there for your convenience because there is a lot of people in the world that don't want people in their business. And if they get out of the car at their local therapist and their neighbor drives by, they're worried about what the neighbor's going to think of them. No more. It can be done right in your own home. And it is affordable, my friends. It is one third the price of traditional therapy, and they will accept you with or without insurance. And for my listeners of this program, you can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash Tony. Go to Cerebral.com slash Tony for 65% off your first month. That's just a total of $30 to get started. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Okay, so I told you before we started recording that I wanted to talk to you about some of your paranormal experiences. Uh, I've heard you talk yeah. about them throughout the years on the show. And uh, it, I think, you know, when you were bringing up the parapolitical kind of thing, I, I think that's a nice little bit of a segue. I mean, like, I, I, go, I go down that road a lot myself. And actually, I, that, I don't know if you invented that term, but I've used it over the years and it makes sense for me. No. When, I go, when I go down the road of, you know, uh, things that are happening in the world today with the, the, the paranormal angle to it, I'm like, it's para, parapolitical. It's okay. Uh, but right. uh, I, you just recently did a show, uh, I think it was last week, about you were doing the fallen angel recordings that that set my mind off like nobody's business. I actually did a short like six and a half minute video that turned into audio for the podcast. Over 30,000 people have heard it. I'm telling everybody right now, if you, if you listen to that and you, cause I've, we got great responses from that. If you heard it, it's because I heard it from Clyde. So <laughs> you know, all, all credit goes to Clyde on that one. But, um, with your paranormal experiences, I don't know if you've ever had fallen angel experiences. If you do, please tell. But uh, I, I know um, when I was driving years ago, uh, you mentioned about the Bigfoot sighting. Uh, and yeah. and uh, I guess we'll start with the Bigfoot sighting. Uh, it's something that I remember hearing you talk about. And I'm thinking, gosh, I wish I could hear him, talk to him about this. Uh, and so if you could just let, let us tell the audience what you experienced and what you saw and stuff, because I know in the moment you didn't really realize what you were seeing until right. it kind of set in. My, my, big foot, my Bigfoot sighting is the most disappointing story in my life, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> the, reason why I, the reason why I say that is because... Uh, you know, I was at Eseti, which is this uh, this ranch out in uh, southern Washington. It's run by James Gilliland, who is this guy who uh, they have this place where you can go. And it's an outlook place near Mount uh, Hood, not Mount Hood, sorry, uh, Mount Adams. 
and you go out to Mount Adams and you're looking up in the sky and you see these UFOs and then you see these weird things flying around in the fields. And it's just a, it's a paranormal hotspot. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that they want to turn Skinwalker Ranch into a paranormal Disneyland, but fat chance of doing that. But I'm just saying it's kind of like, par- it's kind of like Skinwalker Ranch without all the scary stuff. And so I was there, um, at, at the, it was one of the last times I was there. Actually, I was there. I haven't been there in a long time because COVID. It's been about three years now since I've been. And uh, so I was there, and there were a lot of weird things that were happening before my Bigfoot sighting, which are interesting. One is that there was a number of people in the camp that believed that they were hearing laughter, really hideous laughter going on and around the camp. Somebody was laughing. It sounded like a demon laughing. Another thing was uh, there was a woman that was screaming in the camp because she saw a huge deer leap over her while she was walking down a pathway at night. So there were a lot of strange things. And there was a fire, actually, that was burning on the other side of uh, Mount Adams. And so a lot of strange stuff going on at the time. Um, I was sitting in, there's this area, it's the communal area where there's a bunch of communal areas. One is on one side of the camp where you can go in and you can meditate and you can do all kinds of stuff, buy products or whatever. And then there's this other room that's called the video room. And there's like rooms in there and there's a kitchen. And I always cook at that kitchen. I love cooking on the, in that kitchen. And uh, we were there. It was a Sunday morning. <laughs> and uh, we were getting ready. We were going to leave because, you know, you leave, you get there on the weekend. You stay the whole weekend. And you leave on a Sunday. And uh, so I had... I woke up and uh, we were all sitting around sipping coffee and kind of, you know, being I'm I'm all bitchy and and uh, kind of uh, cranky when I don't have my coffee and and so I was going through that moment and I'm talking with everybody there. We're having a good time talking and laughing and I was uh, there's this area, like I said, you're sitting there. There's a video area. There's a kitchen and there's this narrow kind of a I don't even know if you call it a hallway. It's kind of a an entryway that leads to a washer and dryer where you can wash your clothes if you want to. And so it's, it's kind of a cleaning area. And just outside the doorway is this orchard. It's an apple orchard. And so I'm talking and I'm drinking my coffee. And, uh, you know, when you're talking to people, you know, things for me, anyway, I see things out of the corner of my eye or I see things like, you know, that I don't really pay attention to them because you, you just don't, you don't pay attention. You just realize, okay, you know, there's a guy standing outside the door eating apples, okay? This guy that I see out of the corner of my eye that I really don't care about because he's just standing there eating apples is this muscular dude that has hair that looks like it belongs to Robert Plant, <laughs> okay? So it's like this very muscular Robert Plant dude, brown, blondish skin or whatever, and hair, standing there eating apples and uh i thought well he's standing there he's probably overhearing our conversation so i'm going to look over and and invite him to come in so i look over to maybe motion him to come in and visit with us and the minute i look over i look and suddenly what was in the corner of my eye formed in in front of my eyes is, is not the guy i thought was eating apples it was this muscular, hairy, long-haired creature that when it looked at me, it had a face on it that looked as if it would, was hit by a shovel. 
you know, that it flattened out. It's like the face you make when you put your face against a window or put a nylon stocking over your head. It's that same looking face. I realized then that it was Bigfoot. I, I realized that it was Bigfoot and I didn't say anything. I was too caught up in the moment staring at this thing. And then I said, just like this, I said, Bigfoot. And then I said, Bigfoot. And everybody's going, what's up, Clyde? I said, Bigfoot. And I pointed. And the minute I said Bigfoot loud enough, everybody saw him and ran after him. But the thing is, this thing went so fast. It was like leaping with a big stride. And I said, I said that when I saw it, I thought, you know, because I wasn't paying attention to it. And I said, well, it looked like it was about six, seven feet tall, maybe like a basketball player, well built with long hair and whatever. And uh, so they went with that story. They went with a story that, you know, it was a young Bigfoot, obviously. They gave it a name and all this other stuff. And I'm like thinking, no, it's it's not that big of a deal. It was something that I saw. And it was disappointing because, first of all, I had no pictures of it. Second of all, I saw it and there's nothing I could do about it. It was like it happened so fast. And that's what I've learned about this type of stuff when you're dealing with the paranormal. You're always hearing people saying, why is there always a blurry picture of Bigfoot? Well, it's because you're so nervous and you're not really thinking to yourself, I'm going to grab my camera and take a picture of a Bigfoot. Same with uh, you know, UFO pictures. People say, why are UFO pictures always blurry? And I say, okay, let's do this experiment. You take out your cell phone. I'll wad up a piece of paper and I'll throw it and I'll say, take a picture of that. <laughs> you okay, You can't. So if you get a if you get a Bigfoot or a, a UFO on a on a cell phone, you're damn lucky because it's hard to get these things because they're always moving or whatever. And and that's what happened with my Bigfoot story. The minute I saw Bigfoot, and I know I saw Bigfoot, I knew that if I were to talk about it, people would think I was nuts. And I think they still do. But I saw what I saw, and and it was nothing like the Bigfoot you know, stories of people seeing some hairy, shadowy figure walking across, you know, a, a, a pasture or a pathway. It was just some guy eating apples. And, and, and going back, I saw that the orchard, those trees were 10 feet high. Wow. So, so whatever that was, it was tall enough to pick the apples out of the tree and eat them. See, I, see that's the thing is that perspective was on. I didn't know if the trees were that tall. I thought, well, God, it's, it's, it's okay enough to pull an apple out of the tree. He must be, you know, like six feet tall or so. The trees aren't that high. No, they were 10 feet tall trees. And so that guy, whatever it was, whatever he was, he was like anywhere between seven and eight feet tall. So, wow. no, it wasn't a young Bigfoot. It was an older Bigfoot, obviously. And so, yeah, that's all you hear, though, is that Clyde saw a young Bigfoot I can't remember what they named him. It's like Kalaki or something. I don't know what they named him. Kalaki <laughs> or Malaki or whatever. And and so, but my story, I'm sure that they've blown it out of proportion all these years after I've seen it. My story is just simple. I saw a guy eating apples. And I found out that the guy that was eating apples wasn't a guy eating apples. It was a Bigfoot eating apples. And that's 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 how my experience was. And that's why when I look at it, it's a very disappointing story because it doesn't have all the whistles and bells that people give Bigfoot stories. It was just a simple mistaken identity that I'm too busy paying attention, talking to people that out of the corner of my eye, I see this thing standing there. And then when I finally get a good look at it, it's a Bigfoot. So in, in that moment, so you, you said that how like you're like Bigfoot, 
Bigfoot. And then you yell at Bigfoot. I, I can almost identify with that because when I get excited about something, for me, I stutter over my words like crazy. And I'm just like, bah, 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 like yeah. it's right there, you know? Uh, but if you looking back on that situation, is there anything that you could have done different or would have done different in that situation? Or was it just one of those situations? It, it is what it is. That's what it happened. And, and it, it's a cool story to have. I would run, I would have ran and grabbed my camera if that was the case. I would have done something like that. But see, that's another thing too, is that I think the reason why I sat there and said Bigfoot, Bigfoot, and Bigfoot was because it registered in my mind as, as Bigfoot at first. Then my mind said, you've got to be out of your freaking mind here. There's no Bigfoot standing there. Then my mind said again, no, it's Bigfoot. And then when I finally said, screw it, I'm not going to argue in my head over what this is, it's going to get away. And I said, Bigfoot. And the minute I realized it, it took off. So it's like, I was trying to convince myself that it wasn't a Bigfoot at the time. I was trying to convince myself that this isn't me seeing a Bigfoot. But then I just decided, I just gave in and said, no, this is something that doesn't make any sense. And so we're going to take after it. And the only thing we found was that when the creature, whatever it was, ran, it leapt as it ran. So there were not full uh, footprints. I mean, there were smaller footprints, but there were the balls of the feet going into the ground because it was running on the balls of its feet, not on its heels. But I guess they found a, a full uh, footprint there and they have it on display. But yeah, so, I mean, I think that I'm probably the only Bigfoot sighting they had there. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, like you mentioned about the whole camera thing and stuff, and it's so true. I mean, you hear people talk about why didn't you catch it on camera? Well, even if you are trying to catch things on camera, it's incredibly hard. I mean, uh, we we were just out in Utah earlier this year. We were shooting a film for Skinwalker Ranch, and uh, the yeah. the day before we even got there, uh, my producer and director were, were there before us, and uh, they actually caught a UFO on video, but like the odds of that happening are so slim. It was an accident. They didn't even know it was there. It was an absolute accident. Right. Uh, it, it's just, it's so hard to catch that stuff on film. Uh, and I, I kind of envy you and everybody else because I, I don't think I've ever seen, as far as I know, I have one thing where I was like, ah, oh, maybe, but I don't know, you know, like I don't think it was, you know, so. Well, see, uh, people who, and, and that's what I find interesting is that people immediately assume that what they're seeing is a, is a UFO. That's what they want it to be. Um, they, they want it to be a flying saucer so they can go and tell their friends or see if they, they think that there's money in UFO sightings. There's no money in UFO sightings. <laughs> um, they're thinking, Oh, I got the best UFO picture. What are you going to pay me? Nothing. I'm going to pay you a damn thing. Uh, because UFO pictures could be anything. Um, and of course you said you were at Skinwalker Ranch. So the Uinta Basin there is a hotbed for UFOs. I've been to the Uinta Basin several times in my youth. And yeah, that, that place was always the hotbed because the Uintas there, the Uinta mountains, uh, are a mountain range that go east, west. And that's where they find Bigfoot out there. They, they've had Bigfoot sightings at Mirror Lake. Um, Skinwalker Ranch, of course, has been an area where, you know, they've seen werewolves or large wolves. Uh, uh, that's what of course was, uh, uh, the Sherman ranch. Uh, it, what it was called before it was called Skinwalker Ranch, plaguing the Sherman family. Um, yeah, I mean, I was one of the first, uh, along with Zach Van Eck of the Deseret News, uh, we were two of the first reporters to talk about Skinwalker Ranch. Is that right? Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. But, because it's in Utah. Ground Zero started in Utah. Yeah. 
Uh, Skinwalker Ranch happened, uh, well, the, the first sightings and hauntings happened in the 90s. I mean, when I started Ground Zero, all kinds of stuff was going down that I couldn't believe. It was almost as if the timing for doing Ground Zero was perfect uh, because then all of a sudden we had the Phoenix UFO. We had the Roswell uh, uh, 25th anniversary. Uh, Princess Diana died. Uh, you know, all these crazy things going on. And then we started hearing about this family being terrorized at their ranch in the Uinta Basin. Uh, eventually calling it Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, before, it was just a, an anomaly. And there are a lot of stories about that ranch that, uh, of course, now aren't being reported. But if you were to know the truth about some of these things, I'm not at liberty to say what, uh, but I'm just saying that there were some things that went on at that ranch that uh, if they were ever, if they ever saw the light of day, they may they may cast a bad light on the area there a lot worse than it. I mean, I almost got arrested because I was poking around in that area. Well, that is interesting because uh, we we stumbled across some things out there ourselves that were like, uh, nobody's talking about this. And we feel like, um, I don't know, like like the fact that you said you almost got arrested. I'm going to tell my producer and, and director, I'm like, hey, uh, let's just keep this hush hush until, <laughs> until we drop it. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it has a lot to do with um, the Indians there. Um, and that's the thing is that if they were to reveal some of the uh, some of that information, uh, you would certainly... Because I remember I was doing the investigation and there was a woman at one of the stores there because I was just buying some gum. And I was doing just poking around asking questions. And the minute I walked out, there was the uh, the Ute. Uh, tribe sheriff waiting for me um and he he basically told me a lot of stories too that you know he said that one time they found some guy walking naked on one of those side roads above before you get to the, the you know the mesa you know there's that mesa looking over skinwalker ranch yeah and there was this road that goes above the mesa and uh they were saying something that this guy was walking naked uh and they asked him what are you doing and he said the last thing I remember, I was getting married. What? And yeah, that's what this guy told me. He says, last thing I remember is I was getting married. And then all of a sudden there was this bright flash and I wound up here. That's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. And the sheriff told yeah. you that story. Yeah. He said that there have been so many crazy stories about the, the ranch that will never see the light of day. And, you know, they're focusing on the paranormal they're focusing on aliens they're focusing on all this stuff and that's what they've done to skinwalker ranch but there's more to skinwalker ranch than aliens there's more to skinwalker ranch than the uinta basin alien stories there's a lot more to it than that and a lot of it has to do with native american ritual a lot of it has to do with um, uh curses that have been put on the area and they're not going to talk about that uh and that's if i ever get the momentum ever to go back and and rediscover that i'd like to talk about it because it you know it, it'll throw off all of the information that uh the skinwalker ranch has become part of what i call the ufo monopoly mm. and it's, it's where they've taken the story and they've guarded their version of the story because if any other part of the story gets out it's going to make them look really bad yes and and that's uh and that's something i've kept under my hat it's one of the reasons why I seldom get anyone on my show to talk about Skinwalker Ranch because I start going into 
the history because I know the history because I was there when the history was happening. And uh, Zach Van Eck, who was the, the reporter that I knew that was investigating it, he knows the story. And so he and I are both, you know, we're both mum on it. Uh, he's very skeptical about it. But I, I just say that they're trying to turn it into a paranormal Disneyland. And I just, I just shake my head and go, okay, if they were, if they were to, I mean, there's far more interesting stories about Skinwalker Ranch that have nothing to do with aliens. And that's what makes me feel bad. It's because everything has to have an alien connection or some supernatural connection. But the supernatural connection here, it's like, have you ever seen this new movie on Hulu called Prey? I heard you talking about it. I saw the ads. Haven't seen it yet. It's a, it's like that. I mean, if you see, I think that's one of the reasons why I liked it so much is because it reminded me of some of the stories I've heard uh, about the Ute tribes and, and how uh, they dealt with the area long before the Shermans were there, long before Comb Kelleher and, and uh, the National Institute of Discovery Science was there and how they all turned it into this, this uh, special on the Discovery Channel. Um, I, I just wish that that story was told. And, it, and it's hard because you have to really dig into rich histories of the Ute tribes and the tribes are not going to give up their information. It's just too sacred to them. I'm telling you, I, I listen, anybody listening right now, you are preaching truth right now, just from what, what I have seen and stuff. Cause we went out there to basically, cause we can't get on Skinwalker Ranch. Obviously that's locked down and you know, so we, we actually went to a property that butts up against Skinwalker Ranch. And our whole idea was to show the world that it's not just the ranch, but it's the area that has crazy yeah. stuff happening. And uh, yeah. we, we uncovered some crazy stuff in a five-day period in a, in a very low budget that we left, our, we left scratching our heads thinking, how does this TV show not uncover all this stuff? And then what you it's said... True about the the, paranor the paranormal Disneyland, that's kind of how we yeah. left feeling. Like they're trying to make it a paranormal Disneyland. Yeah, that they, it's a wonder they just don't sell hotel rooms on the ranch and they tell spooky stories. It's to coming. To come back. It's, it's turning into that. But see, that's the thing. And I admire you for getting beyond the ranch and looking at the area beyond the ranch because, and I also am very surprised that the, uh, the tribal police didn't come after you because they keep a lid on what comes out of that area. We were chased, Clyde. So, so let me tell you this real quick. I haven't even told anybody. This is first time public information. Uh, we were driving back to base camp one night. And it was dark out. And I, I'm clueless. Like I'm talking to the guys. I'm driving. Uh, we're in a forerunner. There's five guys crammed into a forerunner. And we pull onto the property. And all of a sudden, Joel, uh, one of my team members in the back says, Tony, can you stop the car? And I said, yeah, I stopped it. And he got out and he just stood, turned around facing the road, stood there with his hand on his hip like, He'd like he was like, like, what are you gonna do? Kind of thing. I'm like, what is he doing? He gets back and he's like, he said that when we were driving down the road coming up to the property, he saw um a vehicle on like a side road, the lights flick on, and it cut it pulls out behind us, and then another vehicle did the same thing, and they they followed us up to the property. And when I turned in, they just pulled up to the driveway and just sat there idling. And that's when he asked me to stop. And so right. So like me, like, listen, I'm 37. Uh, my wife is on the other side of the country. I do stupid things. I, I was like, get back in the car. We're going to chase after him. And, and I, I tried chasing after. I couldn't keep up. Now I had five guys in the vehicle, but I'm trying to go. And this thing is just flying away. So I don't know who it was, but it was very uh, evident that they were watching us. Yeah. And it's not the government either. It's, it's the tribal police. They are mm. very, very, very uh, concerned 
about what's coming out of Skinwalker Ranch, what's going in. Um, and, and it's funny that you're backing up my story because I, like I said, I was there with a crew and, uh, we actually were lucky enough to be at a lookout point near the Mesa and we were able to look over, but anytime we were poking around in the area in Vernal, we'd go to Vernal and, and I don't know, I don't know if you ever got out to Vernal, but you go to Vernal and, uh, they have the, they have the dinosaur museum out there. They have all these cool things out there. And we were being watched by tribal police. And then eventually I was met by a tribal police officer coming out of a store um, because I was speaking about Skinwalker Ranch. And she was, uh, she told me, she says, as a white guy, I'm not supposed to talk about the Skinwalker. And for some reason, she phoned the police because she thought that I was somebody that was trying to, uh, you know, dig uh, information out of the tribes. And so this tribal police officer picked me up and he, I, I sat in his vehicle with him. And I told him who I was. He knew who I was after I had mentioned my name. And that, and a lot of times that's gotten me out of trouble. I'd say, well, this is, Cl- I'm Clyde. And, and they're like, oh, we love your show. Uh, and, and they're very sympathetic to, you know, me trying to find information. But he just told me, he said, if you knew uh, the legends and some of the old lore of Skinwalker Ranch, you'd find that far more interesting. Uh, but a lot of that information won't be released by the, by the tribes. They just won't let it out because it's it's very sacred to them a lot of uh i guess you could call it tribal magic goes on uh the medicine men they're the reason why the skinwalkers exist and they've been used as weapons against people who have tried to do them wrong and and that's the that, i think that's the thing is that if they were to realize the skinwalkers and see they're saying well nothing really happens at skinwalker ranch anymore well there's a reason because something i think offended the tribes and so the skinwalkers were there to protect the tribes and i have a feeling that they were launched out there like Gollum to protect the tribes from anyone harming them and then when the when the coast was clear and the tribes weren't harmed anymore the skinwalkers disappeared that's incredible <laughs> that's incredible uh i'll tell you i could talk to you forever about the the uh skinwalker ranch situation but I got a feeling that I probably said too much. And right now my director's like, shut your mouth, Tony, right now. <laughs> no, you, you actually confirmed my suspicions by saying it. Because if, well, if you and I had the same experience there, yeah. where I was, I mean, I was going to be arrested, but the cop didn't arrest me. And then if you guys were chased by cops too, or you were being observed by cops, again, these are tribal policemen or tribal officers that are tr- trying to protect the secret of Skinwalker Ranch. And it has nothing to do with the TV show. It has nothing to do with what we're being told. It has everything to do with ancient medicine man, ritual, witchcraft, whatever you want to call it. That's what it is. Jeez. Well, I, I, I'll tell you, Clyde, I, I can't wait until I can talk more about what we've experienced to the public because like my, my, my team, they told me that I, I talk too much. I, I, I like when I experienced that, I just talk about it right away. And they're like, dude, you got to save it so that like, it's like, you got to release this information constructively. And I'm just like, I just wind up talking, you know? So, <laughs> um, but maybe that's why people like me because I just, I just say whatever I, what comes to my mind. So, well, I mean, what's, what's awesome, like I said, about this whole conversation is, is that we have shared experience that has been similar yeah uh, and and it just confirms my suspicions from the get-go that there's more to this than aliens or some billionaire spending money to turn it into a, a 
a scientific experiment or lab or whatever, and or some big businessman that's a hotel uh, magnet basically buying up the the area. There's something more to it, and I think it has a lot to do with the ancient uh, Native American traditions, and that includes skinwalkers, uh, werewolves, werebears, uh, you name it. They're in that area, and uh, where cats, uh, where human beings have gone into these uh, ceremonies have rubbed special salves and oils on their bodies and have taken on the personalities of these creatures. Uh, this this is something that uh, is more far more terrifying, in my opinion, than any UFO investigation could ever put you. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. When when so we our our first film was called Expedition Dogman, and we went to Kentucky hunting the Dogman, and uh, my cameraman. Uh, he floated the theory out there, the idea that is this some kind of dark magic ritual that people are are experiencing in the moment when they see these creatures? Is it actually a human being transforming their body? And uh, yeah. that, that's that's an idea that we have been uh, considering throughout a lot of our investigations because uh, I, I think there's a lot of teeth to it. So the fact that you you brought that up, I mean, just kind of confirms it for us. Well, and here's another thing too. I had a guy that was an oil. Uh, he was an oil worker or actually he, he had his hands or he had his money invested in oil uh, rigs that were in the Dakotas. And he told me that there were skinwalkers blocking workers from going to the pipelines into the oil wells in the Dakotas. Now think about that for a moment. There were skinwalkers blocking workers from going and working on the pipelines and the wells. Now, who would have the audacity to, or how is it that skinwalkers were there at the wells unless they were placed there by Native Americans trying to protect their land? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, so one of the things that we were told by one of the natives out there is that you're not supposed to dig this land. And right, and, and right next to where we were, there was this giant oil drill just pumping 24 seven right there in the field. And, and they said that, uh, that this land could, I, I get from what I understand, the activity could be drummed up because of such things. So the fact that they they encountered that where they were going, that makes total sense to me. Okay, so you were saying that you can't dig the land your Skinwalker Ranch. Is that true that you were that, told that? Well, th- not that I can't, but they they told they told us that the the land is not supposed to be dug up, and because right. I guess the I guess whoever. I guess there's probably some kind of like commission or board, native commission board that approves right. these things and they approve the oil right. drilling in that area. They believe that. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I could give you a little tip. One of the reasons why the skinwalkers showed up was because of digging and water rights that the natives said were being violated. Mm. And that's my story. That's the story that I have that has not been told that I had heard that digging and water rights were being ignored. And that the tribes asked them to stop. They didn't stop. And so they had to take matters in their own hands. And that's why the skinwalkers showed up. Time to pay the piper. <laughs> you know, you exactly. don't listen. So that's why, I mean, and it makes sense because you got the skinwalkers in the Dakotas protecting the oil or at least protecting the land where the oil wells are. I mean, come on. I mean, and so this whole, you know, flash and whatever they have on TV is nothing compared to the idea that if you screw with the Native Americans, they have magic and powers that are unbelievable that you can't even fathom. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll tell you, Clyde, uh, I did not expect to go this direction, but I'm, I'm very glad we did. Uh, like I'm telling you, I got the same sense. And when I went out to out there to Utah, like it was my first time to Utah. I, I didn't know a ton about the ranch or anything. I obviously knew what everybody else knew, but I left there feeling like uh, it's an area that you don't want to mess with, and especially nope. naively. Like you don't want to go out right. there, like kind of like how I did, where I, I kind of went out there naively and I, I started uncovering all this stuff over a week period of time. And I walked away feeling like this could be a very dangerous place if you step on the wrong uh, land or on the wrong toes. Yep. It's sacred land there. That's one of the things they won't talk about. It's sacred land. And I had a friend of mine who told me that the reason why the land is sacred is in that Mesa area, there is a vortex. And every once in a while, that vortex decides to swirl around. And with it, they, it brings in people. It brings in uh, artifacts from the future, artifacts from the past. They're called A-ports. They throw in A-ports. And so they've found things there that defy, you know, all intelligence. It's, it's, it's an amazing place. I mean, I'd like to be there if a vortex shows up. I'd like to be there because uh, this friend of mine told me that he could pick up uh, coins from the 1700s out there. <laughs> How did that happen? You know? Uh, Clyde, you're freaking killing me, man. Like, I got four more minutes with you. <laughs> you keep on throwing this stuff out at me. Uh, recently on the show, I've been doing a lot of, like, more portal talk. I, 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 I have a story that I'm sitting on right now that's actually spawning a brand new podcast because it's such a huge story. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be yeah. its own show. And it has a lot to do with portals, the interdimensionalism, the other realm, uh, how things are being accessed. And... Uh, the fact that I think that there are very natural portals, vortexes, but also man-made ones like Oak Ridge and CERN. And yeah. like, I'm telling you, man, like I, I feel like all this stuff is connected. Like it, it in one way or another, it just it it it's like a piece of a puzzle and they all just kind of fit together. And we're just sitting here trying to figure out how it all kind of comes together. What you want to do is you want to check out the Gulf of Aden. That's a really huge um vortex there. Um Gulf of Aden is where they're fighting that war right now. Uh, but uh, I had a, actually uh, had a guy who called me and told me that uh, one time they were there, they were trying to rescue a, a military craft there at the Gulf of Aden. And apparently uh, the swimmers went down into the water and they came up and each one had a different time on their, on their watch. So, I mean, when you're dealing with a vortex, you're not going to, you're not going to necessarily see it. But you're knowing that something about it is different. Something uh, is, you know, time is different or you feel like you're in a different time or you feel like anything can happen. And that's what you feel like at Skinwalker Ranch. You're there and something doesn't feel right in that area. And it's not because of the fact that you know something about the ranch, because quite frankly, the ranch is boring. It's the area there that is that's got that electro that, that, that electromagnetic feeling like it's out of place or it's at a different time zone or a different timeline. Absolutely. Uh, that's how we, we left feeling like it just, it just, it, the, the area is off. It, it's just off. And when we, the further away we got from it, the more we felt like things were turning back to normal. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because the world ain't too fun these days. So maybe, maybe hanging out at, at, in Utah and stuff would be a, a better option at times. 
Uh, listen, Clyde, I appreciate you coming on the show and I appreciate you spending some time with us and just chatting it up. Um, there's a million things we could talk about, but I, I think that we gave everybody a show that is just awesome and they're probably going to be wanting more and that's great. So, uh, that's a great way to leave. Well, I'm glad that we have, you know, I'm glad we had a shared experience because that just confirms, you know, my thoughts, you know, to talk with a, talk with somebody who's been there and, and that, uh, they had the same feelings as I did. And, and how, you know, those stories are not being heard. That's the beauty of what I do. And hopefully that's what more people like you are going to do is finding those stories and those experiences that cut across the mainstream monopolies and get into the real nitty gritty of what the paranormal is all about. Absolutely. That's the goal of my life, my friend. That's the goal of my life. Uh, Clyde, I want to just uh, let everybody know before we leave here, if they're interested in listening to your show, where can they find your show and stuff? I know it's a weekly live show, FM radio show. And then uh, tell them about Aftermath as well. Okay. uh, This is how you listen to the show. I'm on from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Monday through Friday at specific time. Uh, We air on radio stations across the country. Uh, I don't know if there's one near you that plays us, but we're on many stations across the country. If not, you can check us out at TalkStreamLive.com or you can download the Paranormal app. We're on that. Also, there is GroundZero.radio where we air the show from 7 to 10 Monday through Friday. If you do not get the shows uh, during the time that they are free, you can subscribe to Aftermath.media. We have uh, archive shows, past shows, video. Uh, we have uh, chat. Uh, we have social media. We have all kinds of things. It's our digital playground for research and for more study. That way you can actually back up what you say when people confront you on a lot of the crazy stuff you talk about. So go to Aftermath.media and sign up today. It's a low-cost uh, subscription. Uh, we have plans to fit every budget, so... Just go ahead and check out Aftermath.media. That's Aftermath.media. And really, it, it supports the show. And I thank you for supporting the show, too. Absolutely. I just feel like I, I heard you doing a commercial for it. It's great. Uh, I, I, I recognize <laughs> that. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. no, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, everybody should check it out. And I just saw on Apple, uh, you guys also do like the uh, Ground Zero Classics. So if anybody's like... Uh, this sounded like it was a good show, but what am I really getting? Go listen to some old old episodes, listen to some old shows, and think, okay, I want the newer, more up-to-date information, Aftermath. And I'm telling everybody straight up right now, if it comes down between supporting my show and supporting Aftermath, go with Aftermath because he gives you entertainment plus life-changing information. So just check out Aftermath. I, I promise you, you're not going to regret it. Uh, Clyde, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much, too. You guys have a great uh, weekend, and uh, we'll talk soon. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. I actually, you know what? I don't care if you enjoyed it or not. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun talking to Clyde. It's something I wanted to do for a long time. And when he agreed to come on the show and chat with me, it was one of those bucket list items for me. So whether you enjoyed it or not, I totally enjoyed it. But if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the freaking show because without you sharing the show, the show is nothing. It does not grow. And we greatly appreciate you guys and your activism for the confessionals. All right, friends, listen, until next week, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. Dirty hours of Utah